Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge. This is Fanbyte's weekly news show rounding up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. I've got an excellent show for you today. I had a cool roundtable discussion about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, among other things, with featured contributor Funky Joseph and for the very first time on a Fanbyte production, IGN's very own Reb Valentine. That conversation was a delight. I could have talked to them for two hours, but it was a good conversation. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Of course, we have a jam-packed week of news, so let's start with this week's top stories. Fanbyte's Hot Game Summer 2022 is officially in full effect. This past week saw a lot of new game reveals, trailers for stuff that we already knew about but hadn't seen in a while, a lot of really cool announcements. So let's dig in. Uh, Sony had a state of play this week that was advertised as being third party partners and some VR stuff. And while that was true, I do feel like they may be undersold how much of a banger this entire state of play ended up being. Let's, of course, start with the remake of Resident Evil 4. It is one of the most highly acclaimed games in uh, recent memory and especially for that franchise. It's one of my favorite video games of all time. And is getting a PS5 remake with some PSVR 2 integration. Uh, this game is something that we knew about. Uh, you know, rumors had been swirling. It's going to be out on March 23rd, 2023. And uh, it's taking more of its cues from Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil Village, meaning it's going to be a little bit spookier, a little bit creepier, a little bit scarier. If you recall, Resident Evil 4 originally, while scary, because it's still about zombies chasing you around villages and stuff. Uh, It ended up being a bit of an action game, especially toward the end. Uh, And so this uh, indicates that we may be seeing a more serious survival horror turn to this beloved game. Uh, It looks good. Looks looks really good. Um, Looks really creepy. And it is one of the best games in the series and their remakes have been pretty solid. So I am excited about this one. Uh, Resident Evil Village, by the way, will be getting PlayStation VR 2 support. So that's exciting for all you PSVR 2 people, as well as the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners Retribution. It is a VR game in the Walking Dead universe that is coming uh, and it looks pretty cool. 
And No Man's Sky. Hey, you heard of this game? It's really good. Uh, There's a new uh, expedition out right now called Leviathan. That is pretty cool. If you want to check that out, there's a big guide for it over at fanbyte.com. But that is also coming to PSVR. Uh, We also got to see for the first time in action Horizon VR Call of the Mountain. It is a a game set in the world of Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. It's got a bit more action than I think I expected. There's climbing mechanics, but there's also shooting mechanics mechanics and some combat it looks pretty nifty especially if you want to see more from the horizon world uh forbidden west by the way has uh, already got an update at the time of the state of play uh that includes a new game plus mode so that's super exciting for folks who have already gone through it want to go through it again and an ultra hard difficulty setting in case you thought that game was too easy Uh, Spider-Man Remastered was an updated version of Insomniac's excellent 2018 PS4 title, uh, and it got a remaster for PS5 packaged in with Miles Morales. Uh, It's not available standalone on PS5, but it will be available standalone on PC. Uh, That is going to come out uh, on August 12th. So if you haven't played that game and maybe you don't even have a PlayStation, you never had a PS4, never had a PS5 then you can get Spider-Man Remastered, which is a very good action-adventure video game uh, on PC in August. So that's very, very cool. Uh, let's go look at some indies real quick. So these are uh, a, sl- a slate of indie games uh, that are coming out that look very interesting to me. Stray is a game that I know we've talked about on this show and other shows. It is the futuristic kitty cat simulation game. You're running around a futuristic robotic town uh, as a kitty cat. And we got an extended trailer for this. It looks so good. Cat's movement looks amazing. There's a lot of exploration. There's a lot of interesting environmental art. This game looks like a total banger, uh, stem to stern. It comes out on July 19th. And even better news, if you are a member of the new PS Plus at the highest level, uh, you will be getting that game for free on July 19th. So that is super exciting. And I think maybe as good of a reason as any to get that top tier of PS Plus because that game looks brilliant. Uh, The Callisto Protocol is a horror game from former Dead Space developers. It's coming out on December 2nd, which is about a month before the new Dead Space uh, remake, which is uh, pretty interesting to me. This game looks a lot like Dead Space, folks, all the way to the uh, health bar being on the back of the neck of the protagonist. This game looks scary and squishy. Lots of body horror. It is a creepy, creepy, creepy trailer. Uh, you, We definitely posted it over at fanbyte.com. Uh, it looks great, though. I'm really excited about this. I'm a big fan of Dead Space, and this this seems to hit all of those notes, uh, and that game looks amazing. We won't have to wait too terribly long December 2nd, like I said. Um, Roller Drome is a cel-shaded narrative sports game. It's about skating in an arena, shooting people, uh, doing cool tricks like Tony Hawk, but you got an Uzi. Uh, it is a PS4, PS5 console exclusive coming out on August uh, 16th. There is also a dating sim action game called Eternites. It's a really bad name and it looks even worse spelled out, but it is a cool combination of those things. Hey, if you like 
anime, you're, you're probably going to like this one a lot. It's coming to PS4 and PS5 in early 2023. Uh, Tunic, which is a really lovely Xbox Game Pass game, is coming to PS4 and PS5 on September 27th. So that's when that console exclusivity runs out. Uh, and Season, A Letter to the Future. Uh, that is a game that we've seen some trailers before. We've also gotten some reporting from Reb Valentine over at IGN and other places about that studio's history of some kind of misconduct and mistreatment of employees. Uh, so keep an eye on that story for sure. But this game looks beautiful and interesting and cool. So uh, I, I definitely still have uh, my eye on this. It says it's going to be out in the fall of 2022. Let's talk about the two big games. We got two massive trailers and more or less, I think, gameplay debuts, really, for two of the most anticipated games of the next calendar year, Street Fighter VI got a very, very lengthy three-minute uh, uh, trailer that showcased, among other things, a full, what appears to be open-world, single-player campaign called World Tour. Uh, it looks like you, you take uh, the role of Luke. You might be able to control other people. We don't know yet. But Luke is that MMA-fighting American protagonist that we've seen before now. Uh, there's a lot of references to Final Fight, Metro City, the Mad Gear Gang, which I really appreciated. A uh, lot of cool references to other Capcom properties. This game looks beautiful. It's got some real art direction. I really think you should go check out this trailer, even if you haven't uh, have like no interest in Street Fighter 6. You might still kind of be interested in that. Um, and since this trailer dropped, we also know some other things. We uh, There's a new character named Jamie, who is a martial artist that really loves Young and Yang from the Street Fighter 3 series. Uh, Chun-Li is back, of course. Ryu is back. Uh, we've also got this cool thing called live commentary, meaning they've gone out to the community of uh, Street Fighter uh, and uh, talked to, you know, gotten, gotten big commentators to record lines. Uh, those lines can can be delivered mid-match, just like sports game commentary. So if you've played sports games, this is not new to you. But to the fighting game genre, this is definitely a new thing that I think is very cool. Everybody's very excited about it. We saw some of it in action, and it seems pretty seamless and interesting. We'll see how deep it goes. Uh, but, but considering there aren't that many different combinations of things that you can see, like you know, on a basketball court or football field, there are a million different interactions that happen on a one-on-one -on -one fighting game. You can really get kind of a unique and non-repetitive uh, vibe, I think, from this commentary. So this is an exciting development. I think that's very cool. We also overnight got a leak of the roster, and it looks pretty credible, so I feel comfortable enough reporting it. It's got a lot of brand new characters, and the roster of what appears to be the launch is much larger than Street Fighter V's. I mean, that was a big, big, big uh, discussion point at the launch of Street Fighter V, how small the roster was, uh, how not exciting it was, and also just a lack of modes. They're seemingly over at Capcom doing everything differently uh, than they did Street Fighter V. Um, the eight world warriors will be there. This Ryu, Ken, E Honda, Chun Li, Blanca, Dalsim, Zangief, Guile. Um, so that's very exciting. But there are also returning characters. There's Cami. There's DJ. Uh, there there are a, a, a lot of brand new characters, uh, including Kimberly, who is uh, an amazing design. So if you want to see all the leaks, you can check those out. Those are online. Um, I think over at vampire.com. I think we've posted that. Yes, we've posted that. 
Um, and Street Fighter Six looks great. It really, really looks good. It's coming out in 2023, so it won't be out this year. Uh, but uh, that game looks uh, a lot, a lot, a lot cooler than I think I expected it to be. Um, and yeah, super, super exciting. Um, and then finally, we got a Final Fantasy 16 trailer. It's another big, beefy trailer, three minutes really showing off the world of Final Fantasy 16. It's called the Dominance Trailer, and it focuses a lot on kind of the central conceit of the world of Final Fantasy 16, which is dominance. And I mean dominant, plural, dominance, plural. A dominant is someone in this world who has unique command, who is the champion, the sole champion over an icon. An icon is basically a summon creature that we've seen in other Final Fantasy games. Icons are massive, powerful, godlike beings uh, that are controlled by their dominance. Uh, it is a curse. It is a blessing. It is pretty much the central problem and theme of Final Fantasy 16. Uh, our, our protagonist, Clive uh, Rosefield, who we've learned his name for the first time, uh, will command Ifrit. Uh, but we also saw we also met other characters commanding Garuda, Titan, Odin a lot of familiar faces to uh, Final Fantasy. So this trailer is amazing. We saw some combat. It appears to us that there will not be party-based combat. We kind of heard that rumor for a long time that it's going to be basically just a solo game where you're controlling Clive and no one else. Uh, and you're basically switching between aspects of these different uh, icons and using battle uh, using combat features from those icons. So it'll be interesting to see how those uh, develop, uh, how you acquire those, and how you develop your character, all that stuff. So uh, it looks very, very cool. Fast-paced, frenetic action. Uh, if you've played Final Fantasy VII Remake, I think there's a lot of familiarity here. I think it's a little bit busy looking uh, in combat. A lot of stuff is going on all at once. Uh, but this game looks like the real deal, super exciting. The team behind it is a lot of folks from Final Fantasy XIV online. They've absolutely deserved all the praise they got for making that game so amazing. And now they've got a crack at making the next big single-player numbered entry in Final Fantasy. And that is super exciting. If you want to hear a long discussion of uh, of this game and, and the ramifications of the trailer that we saw, you should listen to 99 Potions this upcoming week. The episode will go up on Thursday. Uh, you should definitely listen to it. Imran, Natalie, Steve, and Strom, and I will have a lot of thoughts about what we saw, and uh, that, that'll be a really good episode. Okay, that's uh, that's it for, for Sony's state of play, which is great. Um, what else did we learn this week? Well, we learned from Bioware and EA that Dragon Age 4, that's as we've been colloquially, colloquially calling it, now has a name and it's Dragon Age Dread Wolf. And if you've never played Dragon Age Inquisition but want to, you should probably turn off the podcast for about a minute or two. Okay, I've warned you. Okay, uh, so Dragon Age Inquisition, of course, ended with the revelation that your party member Solus is actually the Dread Wolf, a fabled uh, figure of evil in the world, and uh, as reveals himself near the end of the game. And uh, now the new entry will, of course, uh, follow up on the ramifications of that uh, reveal. 
which is very, very exciting. Uh, we still don't have a release date for Dragon Age Red Wolf, uh, but it is at least a tidbit of news that's got a lot of us thinking. Again, if you want to hear uh, four people obsessed with <laughs> the details of this kind of thing, uh, you could definitely listen to this week's episode of 99 Potions. Again, that'll come out on Thursday. Uh, so we'll do half and half. We'll talk about Dreadwolf. We'll talk about Final Fantasy 16. It'll be a grand old time. Okay. Well, what about a game that we knew was coming out? We knew the title. We just hadn't seen any real gameplay for it. It's Sonic Frontiers, an open world next gen ass experience in the Sonic canon. And we saw some gameplay. We saw some combat. Folks, I'm sorry. The Sonic team seems to have played Breath of the Wild and gotten just the wrong stuff from why it worked. There's tinkling piano. There are sprawling, very, very, very photorealistic vistas. But not much else seems to be really holding this thing together. We saw uh, some extended gameplay from our friends over at IGN. Sonic running through these big open worlds, hitting little spring jump pads in random places, running up walls, hanging out near waterfalls. This game doesn't look good to me, folks. I'll just be straight up. Um, we saw we the, on Friday afternoon we saw some combat for the first time, and it doesn't look very inspiring either. A lot of homing dashes. A lot of midair stuff. There's some combo breakers, but the enemy design isn't very interesting and the gameplay just looks very, very, very stilted, which is not what you want from a Sonic game. You got to go fast. This game is apparently coming out this year for many, many, many different platforms, and it in no way looks ready. It looks like one of those unreal fan games. It doesn't look like it's made by a real studio. They should probably take this one and do the Sonic animation treatment and just go back to the drawing board. It doesn't look very good. And and also, there's no art design here. None. You should definitely go watch the trailer, and I'm sorry for editorializing so much, but this game looks empty and sad, and it definitely will not get folks like me who don't love Sonic games in the series Good Graces. Um so I have to just say that, <laughs> but we did see a lot of it this week for the first time, and I don't think it made a very good first impression. So hopefully they take some of that, that advice. They push it to 2023. They definitely need to spend more time on it because what we've seen does not inspire a ton of confidence. And but and also maybe it's just not even the best foot forward. Maybe there are environments that look really cool or interesting or do things differently. But this one just looks like the most boring parts of open world games and it's uh it's yeah it's not great it's not super great let's switch gears to uh, entertainment for a second let's talk about dc films dc films obviously is a big part of the merger of warner and discovery and now we know that dc films is going to be a big part of their plans moving forward apparently todd phillips the director of joker will be very very involved in the evolution of DC films that may or may not be good or bad news, depending on uh, if you liked Joker or not. Uh, but this is a, this is a big, big thing. So uh, David uh, Zasloff, who is uh, uh, basically leading the uh, combined Warner brothers discovery uh, networks has said a quote over the last few months, Toby, 
Emmerich and I have been talking about the best structure for Warner Brothers Pictures Group and the idea of creating three distinct film segments around Warner Brothers Pictures, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers Feature Animation, and DC-based film production. I greatly appreciated his insight and partnership throughout this process and feel confident this is the right strategy for our company moving forward. So if you want to know about DC films, Todd Phillips of Joker fame. Yes, we'll be uh, uh, basically having a lot to do with the future of DC film. Uh, the or the immediate slate of DC films will probably not change. I mean, the, we've got Shazam, Fury of the Gods, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, The Flash. Those are all finished shooting. Uh, they're in post-production, all that stuff. Uh, we think Batgirl uh, is going to be still coming out on HBO Max. Black Adam, Blue Beetle are currently shooting. Uh, they did cut a, a planned Wonder Twins film, if you missed that. We didn't report on it, but Wonder Twins were going to get a film uh, for HBO Max, and they basically thought it was too niche, and they cut it. Uh, there's been obviously an upswing in interest of DC films things, uh, even if they're not technically films per se, like there's an upcoming Batman spinoff uh, uh, about Blackgate and things like that. Uh, there's also Peacemaker, of course, which is actually really, really, really great. If you've never watched that, you should de definitely check that out. And the Batman, the movie, of course, is over on HBO Max and doing very, very well. Um, so it does seem like with this big merger, DC films will still have a very, very important part to play in how uh, how the company uh, makes stuff, which, you know, depending on depending on your point of view is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, speaking of HBO Max, one of its biggest surprises of, of the year was, of course, our flag means death, which is a romantic comedy about pirates. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty good. And it did get renewed for season two. It is a Taika Waititi joint. And uh, he's he's made some pretty good stuff. Uh, so if you are into pirates, you should definitely go check that out. Um, actually, not even if you're into pirates. If you're just into romantic comedies, it's a cute show. Uh, and it also looks like they made it for $5, which is, I don't know, really, really funny to me. Um, and there's some gay stuff in it, too. Happy Pride. Speaking of Happy Pride, uh, EA has been kind of weird, kind of sticking their foot uh, in their mouths, stepping in some shit uh, over uh, their their memo to their employees that they should not be stepping into uh, LGBTQ rights and women's rights and abortion rights and all of those discussions. They've gotten a lot of pushback, too, especially from Apex Legends and Respawn, uh, who have gone so far as to put a trans rights welcome message into Apex Legends. Very, very cool. Uh, Vince Zampella also took to Twitter uh, at the end of May and said trans rights are human rights. It is as simple as that. Respawn has grown on the principles of diversity, equality and inclusion and strives to uphold these values. Let's be better humans. Now, of course, uh, I, I originally thought this was just kind of weird, random lip service and was kind of meaningless. But putting this stuff in the actual video game is pretty cool. And it's also kind of a middle fingered EA saying, uh, hey, don't get into this stuff. And apparently that pressure has worked in so much as as of Friday afternoon, EA did tweet out a message uh, to all of their followers. I'm going to find you the actual follower count right now to all 6.4 million million of their followers with a message that says as a company we are united 
that trans rights are human rights, women's rights are human rights, our support is unwavering for our people and our players and our LGBTQ plus communities. That is signed from Electronic Arts. They also posted a blog post about Pride 2022 uh, and uh sure it 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 goes it goes as far as a corporate statement usually goes on these things to be honest uh i would love to see more actual action instead of words from big corporations over this stuff but it does seem like the pushback on you know wanting to say nothing telling your employees to say nothing telling your executives to say nothing telling your uh satellite companies to say nothing it does seem like that is uh uh, uh had a, a major backlash within that organization. And now they're kind of stepping forward to uh, not say nothing, which is uh, it's something. Okay. I'm not going to be a person that cheers on a lot of corporate pride stuff because I think it's mostly pretty empty, but as some have pointed out to me, a lot of LGBTQ plus people within these companies have been fighting very hard to get their companies to just do fucking anything. And so while, yes, I do have a lot of problems with the kind of corporatization of pride, uh, I do know that those battles are often fought by LGBTQ plus people and those wins are meaningful to them. So I'm going to I'm going to be maybe slightly less cynical about some of this stuff going forward, be a little more thoughtful about uh, both sides of that. But still, corporations can always do more. They're not our friends. Put your fucking money where your mouth is. You know what I mean? Hey, uh, did y'all remember that Twisted Metal is getting a Peacock show? Because I kind of forgot about it. But I was reminded when Variety reported this week that Will Arnett, Lego's go-to for Batman, of course, and from Arrested Development. He was also in Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. And of course, the titular BoJack Horseman. He will be voicing Sweet Tooth, the most iconic character from the vehicle action game from the mid-90s. Now, this is an interesting property because I would not exactly say Twisted Metal is like a hot property. Their creator is kind of an edgelord goofus that, you know, doesn't do a whole lot in games anymore and the series hasn't really had a new entry in a long time and the last ones that came out were okay i think the last really good one was twisted metal black and i think that was not a ps2 launch title but close anyway that is coming out soon ish and will arnett will be the uh one of the main characters sweet tooth so he's a good voice actor no shade there it's just an interesting property we'll keep an eye on it Hey, I've got some, uh, I don't know, uh, scary, sad news. Not really, but it's it's pr- it's pretty weird. All the memes, all the joking, all the Twitch live streams from Morbius. We knew this was going to happen. It's coming to a thousand screens again. It had basically left movie theaters and now it's back because Morbius fever has taken over this country. And I think we all know what's going to happen. It's not really going to catch waves. I mean, this became a meme because it was so bad and it was so easy to hate watch. And of course, studios get the wrong impression from that. They go, hey, let's just put this out again. But it is coming to a hundred, a thousand theaters uh, this past weekend. So when this airs on Sunday, this past weekend, it opened up to a thousand new theaters. Unbelievable. Uh, Sony's hoping that Morbius will at least break 75 million domestically and it hasn't done that yet. So, um, that'll be an interesting uh, thing to see. Uh, if you want some Morbius impressions, 
from uh from the 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 friends reunion crew LB, Nikki and I uh we may watch this movie at some point soon and uh chat about it maybe on a podcast we'll see I haven't watched it yet I didn't want to I didn't want to give Jared Leto any money but now I kind of feel like I have to it feels like a cultural event damn it uh let's talk about Madden I know you come to me for sports game news all the time. You go, John, geez, I just want to know about a video game sports. It's my favorite thing in the world. Well, let me tell you about it. Madden 23 uh, is coming out again this year. Shocking, right? Well, that's not really the news. The news is that the cover, which is usually an NFL player or retired NFL legend, They're skipping that this year and instead opting for three special covers of the game featuring coach John Madden, the namesake of the video game franchise himself. He passed away at the very end of 2021 at the age of 85. He was a revolutionary figure in sports coaching, in sports broadcasting, in television generally, and of course in video games. John Madden Football 1988 was the first foray into football simulation with EA Sports and now it is, of course, one of the largest franchises in the world. The three covers basically feature John Madden in all three phases of his career. He's being carried off the field uh, after leading the Raiders to a Super Bowl victory in one cover. He's in the broadcast booth drawing X's and O's in another cover. And on the all Madden edition of the game, he is busting through the wall, holding a football just like he was in the first iteration of the game back in 1988. It is a very cool tribute to the legendary figure that is almost most known now for the video game franchise than anything else. So it is very, very cool to see that game comes out in August. So we don't have too long to go. Uh, I'm playing this game right now. We have access to a closed beta right now. Uh, It's got something called Field Sense, which is basically just a fancy way of saying that they've upped a lot of the physics features of this game. It's got some more precision passing. Uh, They say it's got better hit detection and collision, although that has not been my experience after having played it for a couple hours. Uh, But I might have some uh, updated impressions of the game up on the website relatively soon. Uh, folks, if you have not gotten your Steam Deck yet and you're looking at the uh, delivery ETAs for the Steam Deck and rolling your eyes and getting impatient, I have to tell you the emulation handheld market uh, for video games is getting getting is getting really, really uh, interesting. Uh, of course, I've got an Ambernick that I've talked about on the show before. I really like it. It's good for retro. But there are high-end handheld emulation devices. Nikki uh, took a look at one of them, the AYN Loki. Uh, This is a Steam Deck competitor. It runs Windows. Uh, It is from a reputable creator of the Odin emulation handheld series of devices. And this Loki handheld looks pretty cool. It's got some fancy chips in it. Ranges from $300 to $800. Uh, Those higher-end models, starting at $500, have an AMD uh, 6600U chip in it. Uh, The highest end has an AMD 6800 in it. Uh, These are pretty fancy chips. They can run some pretty fancy games at high uh, at high frame rates. So that's pretty cool. If you want to see more impressions of this device, uh, you can definitely check out Nikki's uh, very cool article over at fanbyte.com. Um, my favorite thing that I saw this week out of everything was uh, the ease uh, the net game uh, air twister. Okay. 
Usenet is, of course, Yu Suzuki, uh, the famed creator of Shinmu, of Virtua Fighter, of a lot of games, including Space Harrier, that are very, very well loved and very cool. Uh, his studio is making a mobile game called Air Twister, and it just looks like Space Harrier. It's just a, a lady floating around in space. But I have to tell you, folks, you have to go watch this trailer. It is one of the most surprising and delightful trailers I've seen. It's only a minute long, and it features a song that I swear to God, Yu Suzuki just scribbled a bunch of nonsense on a napkin and handed to a Queen cover band and said, please play this because it is a wild trailer and a wild song. It is wonderful. I know this is an audio medium I'm telling you to go watch something, but go watch it. The trailer for Air Twister looks great. This game comes out for Apple Arcade uh, later this uh, later this summer, which is super, super exciting. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to get my hands on it. It is single-handedly justifying my Apple Arcade subscription that I always, always forget about. Uh, also this week, we got to see Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, and I don't know anything about Pokemon. So I enlisted the help of two folks to help me talk through it. I want to get to that conversation with Funke and Reb in just a moment. But first, before we do that, I want to interrupt the show and talk to you about another show on the network. So let's go do that real quick. Hey, sorry to interrupt the show. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast on the network. It's called Friends Reunion. It is a comedy podcast featuring yours truly, as well as LB Hunktiers and Nikki Grayson, two of the funniest people I know. We get up to a lot of ridiculous stuff. We talk about things that we saw on the internet. We describe JPEGs way more often than we should. We talk about the, the intersection of losing my religion and Robin's dancing on my own. It's a really good show. And this month is gimmick month. It's the biggest month of the year for Friends Reunion. Every single week, we have a different theme. Uh, This week's episode is all about milk. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say about it. You got to listen to it, though. But this month, we also have The Great British Off Volume 2. If you weren't around for our first episode, yes, we celebrated everything that is British. And by that, I mean we recorded the entire episode in the worst British accents you've ever heard in your life. Uh, Another episode that you should definitely look forward to is the week where we discuss Rob Thomas and uh, Santana's unbelievable, unparalleled, perfect summer jam, Smooth. Yep, it's just a whole episode talking about Smooth. And you don't want to miss that one. It's the best episode we do every single year. But June is full of bangers. Please listen to Friends Reunion wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean a lot to us. It's a podcast for discerning listeners. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet made its debut back in February with its first trailer, and we got a second one earlier this week that actually revealed some interesting stuff about the gameplay and the world. I don't know anything about Pokemon, never have, and never will. Head empty, 
no thoughts. I just see these little guys and I go, they're pretty cute. So I wanted to enlist the help of two experts to help me through what we saw with the trailer and gauge how excited people are about this. With me today, I have two very special guests. I'm very excited to have feature contributor Funky Joseph on the show, of course. And for the very first time on a Fanbyte production, it's been a long time coming. We've danced around it for what I feel like is a year. It is the one, the only award-winning IGN reporter, Rebecca Valentine. Hi, Reb. That's me! Yay! Yay! I'm, ha- I'm so happy. It's it's funny. It's funny to like live with Imran and hear yeah. all of y'all's <laughs> names and and the wonderful things that he says about you on a daily basis, and then actually like come in here and hear your beautiful melodic voices. Hey, I love this. That's so nice. Well, we we all we all obviously hear wonderful things about you uh, from Imran as well. Wow. So it's the the feeling is mutual. Uh, we've been admirers of your work for a long time, so we're glad. Shucks, you're here. don't yeah. thank you. It's true, um, but we saw this. Uh, we saw this Pokemon Scarlet and Violet trailer, and we all had to be up at the crack of dawn to see it, and um, and we saw it. And I guess I want to just start with. Are we more or less excited about this game now that we've seen the trailer? Reb, I'll start with you. Mm, I am. Yeah, I think I am like more more excited than I was from the initial reveal. I thought yeah. the initial reveal looked a little. Eh, yeah, like, okay, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's Pokemon and uh, characters, not super exciting. But but this, yeah, I'm like slightly more excited. I think I think my main feeling is curious. I am curious as to what they are doing. Um, I I think the Pokemon series has been in dire need of some some big dramatic step forward, and I think Sword and Shield and Arceus have not been that in mm. some very specific ways over the last couple of uh, iterations, and I don't know if this is going to be it either, but I'm curious to see what they're doing. Yeah, Funke, how about you? Yeah, it's not worth to wake up at 9 a.m. for that trailer. <laughs> I'll say that. Oh, I no. will say, like, I, I just, <laughs> I feel like the Grinch... Like the reverse Grinch, because my heart has shrunk three sizes when it comes to Pokemon. Whoa. Like that was the series that I loved the most as a child. Yeah. And like even as a teen, like growing up. Yeah. But in recent years, like as Reb said, like Shield didn't really do it for me. Arceus like tried, which I really enjoyed. Like it tried to be different than the other Pokemon. But yeah, I, I don't know if Scarlet and Violet will do it either because the original trailer uh, back in, what was it, February? Yeah. Uh, I saw so many Pokemon that I've seen time and time again. Like, sure. It felt like they were like padding it with Pokemon that we've seen already. And I kind of wanted to see way more new guys, which we saw in this new trailer. Yeah. But... I, I don't know. I'm I'm still tentative with my excitement on this. Okay, so let let's start with kind of that that overall vibe from both of you. This idea that the series has not really taken a step forward in a very long time. Um, you both alluded to Arceus, which like to me as kind of an outsider that bounces off of most of these games. I spent the most time with Arceus than I have with a Pokemon game in the past maybe 10 years because it did shake up some of that formula. What I was distressed to see in Scarlet and Violet is that I feel like a lot of those steps forward were not carried over to this game. 
Yes. So, oh my God, I could, I could go, I, I, this is like, I think a shorter podcast. I could go on for hours about about this particular subject. Um, I I reviewed, I reviewed Arceus for IGN. Yeah. If if someone wants to go read that and I gave it a seven, which like scoring reviews is a nightmare. And I wish I didn't have to score that one and I could have just written about it, but it is what it is. Anyway, um, Pokemon as I remembered as a child, maybe that's a little bit of rose-colored glasses, but I do think the older games have held up in the same way, playing them as an adult. Right. Uh, it, it gave me these very detailed, fleshed-out worlds for the time, right? I mean, it was like top-down, sprite-based stuff, but it was it was this very like wonderful, fleshed-out world um, with all these very interesting monsters. It felt like this big adventure I could go explore. And I feel like at a certain point, somebody came to the Pokemon, the Pokemon Company Game Freak, whoever, and said, <laughs> hey, uh, we're moving to, we're getting, we're not doing 3DS DS handheld dedicated stuff anymore. Like we're yeah. going to have this new console, but it's also going to be docked uh, on the TV. So you have to design it like a console game now. And to somebody that meant, okay, we got to move to 3D. And in the move to 3D, I think they lost something. I think mm. they are not as good at making like and, and, and all the things that come with that, right? Like they also got to, you know, Im- they, they got to move into the future. Right? They got to implement online play. They got to make it more like the the sort of action RPGs that we're, we see all over the place that make, you know, piles and piles of money and sell piles and piles of copies. And they yeah. feel compelled to do this thing. When I think what they're really good at is designing cool monsters and making these cool top-down worlds. And they have tried and failed, well, not failed, but like, like tried and not quite gotten there multiple times to make the same kind of game that we see in other places in the industry. When I wish they were just like, I don't know, either making more Pokemon or doing their own thing with Pokemon instead of like trying to be all these other things. Like mm-hmm. Arceus was great. Arceus is like, like p- catching mechanics were amazing. Right. But that was it. Like that was the yeah, main that was game. It. And there was, there was yeah. no fleshed out world around it. It felt like they had just abandoned these, these adventurous detailed Pokemon worlds they, they had used to make. And Sword it felt and Sh- so barren. Yeah. And Sword and Shield was the same way. Like, like it was, it was Pokemon, but all the, all the houses were just like these empty facades with like doors you couldn't go into. And it felt like short and, and just empty. It all just feels empty. And I don't want this one to feel empty. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to put what I think is, ultimately my biggest issue with this series because I didn't I didn't come to it as a child I came to it as a young adult and um, I had no nostalgia for it I saw this as a collection based JRPG which like that idea excites me but the the kind of the the set dressing and the bells and whistles I expect with JRPGs involve a lot of what you just alluded to as being missing from Pokemon which is like a lot of exploration dense worlds being able to go into a lot of places and I don't know check out bookshelves in some rando's apartment or yeah. like whatever and like mm-hmm. talk to a lot of NPCs like have the world feel like it is lived in and yeah it it, no modern pokemon game has felt that way at all yeah um uh, yeah yeah. i think the last time i felt that feeling was with pokemon x which i sank like hours and hours and hours and hours into and that's that's one of their 3d ones that i still feel like felt really full and like really utilized every every single inch of the space they had right because in the games past that like you couldn't really just like search around and like find things in garbages sure. <laughs> and just like like little things where I don't know, there's a lot more care into each space that they were in. Whereas now, like in the recent games, it feels like they're just trying to go for 
like expanding as much as they can, yeah. like making an open world. So people are like, oh, it's an open world. I know that genre. Like, mm-hmm. let me play this. But then the open world is so empty and it feels like like Arceus I I really enjoyed the first few hours honestly I was like whoa yeah. like Poke- the Pokemon felt really new and like even Pokemon I I knew before had like altered forms and acted differently and it was so cool to like walk around with like a Pokeball and catch them like I thought about that since I was 10 like that shit is cool <laughs> yeah but it like it does not feel like I, I, it didn't grab me in for the rest of it. Like this, the story, I was like, "What is going on? Like, wh- why are we here?" Uh, it, it didn't really grab me in that sense, and I didn't feel enticed by the legendaries. I feel like when I play Pokemon, mm. especially as a kid, I was always like, "Okay, I'm gain like I have my starters, and then I'm going. I'm trying to find the legendary, and that's my mission." But I wasn't really hyped on that. Like, the the sense of mystique was almost there with Arceus, but. <laughs> Yeah, as you were saying, John, it feels like that's not even in Scarlet and Violet. Like, Scarlet and Violet seem way closer to Sword and Shield, which I completely bounced off of. Yeah. Yeah. I'll also add, too, on top of that, to sort of address the point that John made earlier. Like, they... The Pokemon series has this very obnoxious history of coming up with really good ideas and making a game that has this really good idea that they're using somewhere in it and then immediately dropping it the next generation. Right. So, like, Arce- Arceus is the example of that. Like, they have this incredible catching mechanic that if, if there had been a better game built around that catching mechanic, I would have, like, 10 out of 10. Incredible. Great. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they've done this so many times before. A really great example is sort of messing around with time of day and seasons and time of year and days of the week. Ever since gold and silver, Pokemon has in some capacity had a system of time of day and days of the week where different different things would happen depending on what your clock said, what day yeah. what day it was, what, what time of day it was. Like the world would look different. Different Pokemon would come out. They added seasons in, I think, what, X? No, black and white. Black and white too. Yeah, one of and those. the music would change as well. Yeah, and like there were all these there were all these different things that would happen. Like there'd be piles of snow or leaves or whatever, and it was really really cool. But like every subsequent generation after they added these things, they would take away elements of it or, or and then put them back like a generation. You can't figure out what they want to do with this system, and it was such a cool system because the idea of having this living world that changes with the seasons and the time of day and the day of the week is so fascinating to me. Uh, but they they've never fully committed to all of those things at once that they have tried in little fits and starts over various generations and this is there's so many other systems like that like you could point to any of the weird evolutionary mechanics they've come up with like mega evolution uh you could point to how they do contests or friendship or like the uh, the, the weird like like berry system for contests where they're cool or beautiful contests or are so sick like if yeah. there's a whole contest game like where you're not even a trainer you're just like a contestant trying to be the best i would eat that up yeah, well, it's just like, awesome. it's just anytime they come up with something that people genuinely love like that, they're like, okay, well, we can't do this next generation. <laughs> and so we all just like go on, like, all right, I guess that's dead now. And it's so disappointing. Yeah, they, they treat these features that are beloved like gimmicks. They go, oh, well, everyone latched onto that. So that that that's just a, 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 a unique selling point of this game yeah. that we can't put into everything else. And it, and it really strikes me. And I think it does boil down to this to some extent. I want to talk about it. But it strikes me as being very funny to me that Pokemon, this thing that Nintendo is very, very, very much associated with. And uh, and it's this beloved thing by many, gen- you know, by several generations of gamers. Um, but it has the same exact problems as what I see happening with 
franchise sports games with with mm. Call of Duty. Like yeah. these games that will come out with a feature or a small set of features that are annualized and but mm. but they have no time to really get user feedback to really implement the things that are working and to change yeah. things that aren't because they've got this annual cycle to adhere to and it really feels like Pokemon is becoming a a dire victim of that cycle. Yes. It's weighing the series down for real. Like yes. I reviewed uh, Brilliant Diamond with Nikki for Fanbite, and like the conclusion we came to is like, let these people take more time making their games. Yeah. Like they would be so much cooler. They wouldn't have. I, I feel like they wouldn't have any of these issues because they'd have more time to just spend in these worlds. Like Scarlet and Violet, I feel like, yeah, this is just the no. It's November. There has to be another Pokemon game. And it's this. They just like, released not- one in January. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, I, it won't even be even, a year. Jeez, that's so fast. I know. There's been three. Yeah. Like, uh, that's too many. Yeah. Like, Diamond Pro were Ilka. They were a different studio. Yeah, it's okay, true. Yeah. It's true. That is true. But your point stands. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's too much Pokemon. There's like, too much. I, I'm so <laughs> down to wait, like, two years before a, a Pokemon game releases. And then d- there would be so much hype. And yes. I feel like the studios would have so much time to, like, develop these ideas, actually look from the past what they what they enjoyed and what fans enjoyed, and actually make something special that doesn't feel like, okay, we're pumping out another one. Right. All right. Yes. Here's It's time. It's Pokemon time. Here you go, guys. I mean, this is some real armchair quarterback stuff, and you know, I, I hate that. But it's like you, you have Mario, Zelda, Donkey Kong, Pokemon, uh, Metroid, Kirby. You could you could just put those in a cycle where you're seeing basically one of those every twelve months, and you would have enough time to worry. Like, imagine if a new major Mario game was attempting to come out every year. They, they, it would be no, it would be terrible. No. We, we would reject that idea, I think. Yes. Um, and it's just it's just like Nintendo decided Pokemon is the thing that is a merch machine. It's a thing that is a great entry point for kids into Nintendo products. They've just decided this is something that has to be out every year. And yeah. it's clearly hurting the product. And I don't. I don't think Scarlet and Violet is um, shaping up to maybe be a difference in that story. So, so here's here's my pitch. Yeah, my pitch is so we've got we've got Game Freak making the main Pokemon games yes. with Scarlets and Violets and whatnot. Ilka, okay. Ilka made Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. I actually really liked Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. I thought it was a great like straight up remake. It was not. It did sure. not attempt to be ambitious or anything. It was Diamond and Pearl, but on the Switch. I thought that was a great attempt for a studio doing it. Their first, a little buggy, I know, but yeah. like it was their first attempt. At, it was any other studio's first attempt at a mainline Pokemon game. Like crap, I think they did a great job. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. give give Ilka like license to do remakes. Let them do black and white, whatever remake we're moving on to next. Uh, have Game Freak making the mainline Pokemon games and then go find Bandai Namco or who, whomever and have them doing weird spinoff stuff. Like they did po- new Pokemon Snap was great, I thought. Uh, Pokemon Tournament, things like that. And then put it on a three-year cycle. So have Game Freak do the mainline game, you know, when that's your Pokemon game one year. And then the next year, Ilka does their remake. And then the right. year after that, Bandai Namco does whatever Bandai Namco is doing. And then by that time, you're back around to Game Freak 
for the next big main generational game. And then you have a three-year cycle. Like everybody it. has time. And we get some interesting stuff thrown around here. Yeah. Everybody gets what yeah. they want. We get our top, we get our nostalgic classic top-down stuff. We get our weird, cool spin-off stuff. And we get our bold new worlds of Pokemon. Yeah. And Nintendo, that sounds and, fire. And, and, and Nintendo still gets their annual uh, merch machine. And that's, yeah. but winners everywhere. Like I know. I know we're backseating Nintendo and Game Freak, <laughs> but like it's not it's not a big request. I feel like because no. like, the only series like this is it, Nintendo does so rapidly. The serialization is Pokemon. Like I feel uh-huh. like it's all the time. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, Metroid takes so long. Like Zelda takes so long. Mario takes so long. Yeah, I, I I'm down to wait for Pokemon. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm seriously down. Yeah. It's just it's it, it is I do think a, a a a victim of market forces right because like I do think because kids are so different and they don't think about things this way this is why Pokemon is the way it is but mm. I I still yeah. think Reb's pitch is perfect it's like they've already gotten other studios involved start making things the way that she laid out and I think things will improve but it's just like. You know, like, okay, a really good example of a mechanic that was universally beloved, uh, but then just basically disappeared. The let's go mechanic of having your Pokemon follow you around. That's back for this one, it looks like. So it's like they do bring some stuff back, but it's what years after the fact and games after the fact. And it seems but it's scattered. It's too. scattered like, too. Pokemon yellow. And then it was gone for a while. Right. It was back in like gold and silver. Then it was gone. That is back. Yeah, yeah, they, they've been yeah, they've been so sporadic about it. It's it's weird, but it, every time it's out, everybody loves it. Every yeah. single time, the feed the feedback is this is great, keep this, and yeah. then and then it's next gone. time they're like, maybe not, maybe we don't do that. And, yeah. someone- and Ar- doesn't Arceus do it like halfway, where you can throw your Pokemon out into the world and sort of look at them? Yeah, you can kind of look at them. Uh huh. They don't follow you. You can like hatch <laughs> them, and then they'll like hang out for a second, <laughs> and it's, it's and then you, and then they and then they go bye bye. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Part of me wonders if it's a performance issue because again, and I know some listeners sure, at home yeah. might be tired of me talking about this. But this game looks like it runs at about 15 frames per second. <laughs> and and it's it, it's only the fifth one of these that's looked like that. So it, it is strange to me that this keeps being an issue. But it's if it's an issue of the, in the trailers, it's going to be an issue in the game, um, which we saw from Arceus and we saw from Pokemon Sword and Shield. But it's, it'll be interesting. Um, one thing that we did learn that I am definitely intrigued by is online co-op that got announced for this. How do we think that's going to work? Are you excited about it? Reb, I'll start with you. Uh, To answer the question, how do we think that's going to work? My answer (laughs) is probably not well, but we'll see. Uh, As uh, They do not have a great history in recent years of having, which is wild because I feel like they kind of pioneered not pioneered. I mean, other people were playing online, but like, like in the DS era, they were one of the first games that was sort of attempting to sure. do some sort of online play that was meaningful, like online trading through the yeah, even the Game Global Boy, Trade Center. like with the core. Yeah. yeah, they were doing like really interesting things there for a while, and then they just fell behind everyone else because I think Nintendo is allergic to good online play. Um, but anyway, I I think it's it's interesting. Like the potential is interesting, and I think I want to sort of combine this with another idea that we learned from the, from not even really the trailer, but from the, 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 
the literature that came along <laughs> the with the lit. trailer, yeah. which is that this is not a linear Pokemon game, apparently. Uh, apparently, you can sort of go wherever in whatever order. Um, I don't know to what extent that is carried to. Uh, but but I like, I mean, I like the idea of potentially being able to, you know, partner up with Imran or partner up with one of my friends yeah. and, and go run around the world. I, I think the trailer did a poor job of selling it though, because yeah, it's like, same. oh, you can, you can play with four other people and you, all these, these four people pop up. It's like, yeah, we're all here. And then they run off in four uh, different directions <laughs> and we never see them. It's, it's like, what? <laughs> what's the point, man? <laughs> it's so sus. Like they're like four player multiplayer and then they meet up for one second and I, <laughs> It, it it made an implication that like they're playing, but even in different parts of the world. But that doesn't really feel too much like multiplayer to me. Like right, if, you if, you would if, expect like big team battles or something. Yeah. Like or, yeah, or traveling together sure. in, a, in a group. Right, like, I, being so distant, and I, I think they were trading each other from like a, a, yes. a snowy mountain and like inside a cave. But I don't know. Like I, I'm I'm worried because I don't want to buy the game and just be like. <laughs> for the multiplayer with my friends and then it's not that good like my friends and i played smash bros for years after its release and that online system is doo-doo every <laughs> other fighting game like outclasses it even like the smallest of fighting games understand how like online systems work yeah in a way that like i feel like nintendo games always just miss yeah so yeah. i i don't know i'm yeah. i'm Another thing I'm tentatively excited about in this game. This is my fear that we're going to end up in some situation where like, you know, Imran and I are playing together, whatever. And then uh, we try to go to like a town or a a specific place together and we get the animal crossing like, oh, Oh. you can't go. You can't go in here because someone has their inventory open or you can't you can't you can't. uh, send your Pokemon out because this other guy's in a battle. Like, you know, this weird, weird limitations. Was literally going to bring up how bad Animal Crossing is at that because it's like, I, I, I often imagine how much more I would have ultimately played that game if those Uh online elements had been worth a shit and, and, and they were just terrible. And, uh, you know, but they've got to turn stuff around. Like Splatoon seems like, a studio within the Nintendo infrastructure understands to an extent how online multiplayer works, right? It's not perfect, but it's better than I think the rest of their, their, their library. John, it, I think Splatoon and Animal Crossing are made by the same team. Well, okay. You're, you're, I, think, I, you're, think. I think you're right. But, <laughs> but it's like some elements are right. And then some are just completely uh, fucking backwards. And, I, it is just still perplexing to me that no one in the Nintendo infrastructure seems to fully understand how online works. Um, yeah. And and but to to your to everyone's point, the fact that they didn't show anything, I think that would meaningfully invite people to be excited about co-op play, um, tells me that this is probably not going to be a big selling point ultimately. But we'll see. Yeah. I, mean, I don't. I don't want to just sit here and and crap. I know. Them, though. Like I think. I know. I, I like Pokemon. Yeah. I will I will gobble up another Pokemon adventure. I yes. think the monster designs are fantastic. I love I think I, they have they have one hundred percent success rate on making good monsters so far that they yes. have shown me for this set of games. Uh, I think the characters I think there's a lot that looks good. I just am cynical. I'm cynical and bitter about this franchise that I love so much because I have become old and I no longer have the childlike delight in my eyes. 
Then, yeah. Yeah. Weed Cat is so good. Sprigatito. Sprigatito. Oh That's I'm good. A- the three starters are good. I want to talk about the three the three new little guys we saw. We saw Pommy, uh, like an electric rodent. We saw Smoliv, which is a great name for an anxious grass plant. And then, of course, the, the, the one that took the world by storm. It's LeChonk. Um, what do we think about these three designs? Uh, I think Pommy is great. Uh, I have no I have no notes on Pommy. Yeah. Uh, very cute. Looks like a Kirby enemy. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm everyone. Everyone lost their minds over LeChonk. I'm a big Smoliv fan. Sure. I, I think I, as someone who calls their Xbox, the Xbox series small, SMOL, <laughs> I, I just really have a soft spot in my heart for the fact that I don't know what this guy's Japanese name is, but whoever localized this to Smoliv understands the internet so well. And I love <laughs> this anxious little olive guy whose, whose oil is too bitter to eat. So you don't want... Very much discouraging people from coming up with the idea of eating Pokemon, even though I believe you all ran with that anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, speaking of eating Pokemon, I really thought. would love to eat LeChonk. Um, <laughs> a lot of people disagreed with my opinion, but you can't stop me. You cannot I stop me. Can't stop you. But yeah, I think the, they're really cool. I really enjoyed seeing the legendaries. Yeah, okay. I They're a bit busy, but I really like the like futuristic one. Sure. Um. And I, this is the first, like, in this trailer, I actually noticed that they're doing, like, the past and future thing. Like, even with the professors, the, which, like, the the dude with the, like, fade. What's, what's that guy's, did they say his name? Uh, Turo, Professor Turo. Professor Turo, yeah. yeah. He has kind of, like, a futuristic garb on. Mm-hmm. And uh, Professor Sada has, like, like a bone necklace and fangs. Yeah. Y'all notice she has fangs? Yeah, I, I was like, fangs. what the heck? I, uh, I, I think that's really cool dichotomy between them i did I, I i everyone thought these two professors were hot i thought they looked like house flippers from nevada that were looking for a unicorn uh, i <laughs> as someone who is very bisexual i am very sad that i cannot i i do not i do not feel the same way as many of my bisexual brethren about these professors sure I think they're, i think mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're de- their designs are good like i mean they're they're Good design. They're yeah. just not doing it for me. And I'm just, I'm so sad that I can't participate with everybody else in that. But man, the meme game was strong. After it was good. Two were shown. Was, yeah. We were, we were all living online for, <laughs> it was for a, a great moment. time. It was good. Um, Pokemon fans are so fast at it too. Like it's for <laughs> each reveal, they get faster at like fan art and just shipping and stuff like that. I know. I was like, wow, my Photoshop doesn't even load this fast. Shit. <laughs> That's great. Um, Okay. All right. So Pokemon Scarlet Violet, that's going to be out uh, on November 18th. That's really the big holiday release for Nintendo this year. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we got. Um, And yes, we don't want to be super negative all the time. I didn't, I didn't even know this would go this direction. I thought maybe someone on the call would be super excited, but you know, they're kind of where I am on this thing. Like, is it going to be great? I don't know. These little guys are cute, though. And that's honestly kudos to that team, because that is truly what that what makes me go. Maybe I should drop 60 bucks on this again is design. They're so good. They they have. And that that's like where I think Game Freak is just the best consistently from from their like initial conception back in the 90s, whenever the heck that was. Yeah. All the way to now. Every 
every Pokemon generation is just full of bangers. Like they're yeah. all so good. I don't. People make fun of the ice cream cone Pokemon. No, the ice cream cone guy great. is great. The the sentient garbage, fantastic. Amazing. No, no, it's like like every every new generation is just. I mean, there's yeah, there's some that are like okay, whatever. It's another fish, but for the most part, like the designs <laughs> are just so good. And I like that. That's. That's where I think their strength is, is in making interesting, compelling new little monsters for me to tote around with me. And I I will I will consistently come back to Pokemon mm-hmm. just to have a new team of little dudes following me around being weird. Yep. hundred <laughs> um, percent. All right. Let's wrap uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet talk. We also I have to ask you both. We saw a Sony State of Play this week that was exponentially cooler than I think I expected it to be um, in terms of how many big announcements there were. They had bangers. They in had there. some bangers. Yeah. And Funky, I'll start with you. What was what was the thing you saw that you were probably most excited about? Street Fighter Six. I also didn't even see the trailer live because it was my first you, time recording. I know, an event you were live. so busy. I know. Oh. I was I was in the CMS and y'all were like Street Fighter, and I was like sweating, like, oh my god, <laughs> what are they showing? Like, this is the game I care about. Yeah. Um, but I just want to say, like, briefly, Street Fighter Six looks so fucking cool. Yeah. I, and it just it makes me so excited because Street Fighter Five was such a skeleton release and it had uh, bare bones characters. It really felt like they were just pushing the game out. Yeah. But Street Fighter Six is like bursting with personality. It reminds me of Third Strike. It has like the color and shading of like uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4. Yeah. It looks amazing. There's also a huge leak. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you want to hear that. But Kimberly looks awesome. Yeah. So many of the fighters that are new. I'm just like, damn, I can't wait. Yeah. I don't know how hyped I am about the open world because that's not really what I come to Street Fighter for. But if they do a cool, I'm I'm in it. I, I'm there. I, I I'm de- listen. I'm I'm in because a few things happened. One, uh, they showed me about 20 Final Fight references within about a 30 second span, <laughs> which like is amazing, and I was super there for that. Um, I personally am super into the single player open world stuff because I like. I like playing Street Fighter by myself. I like the idea of kind of having uh, more of a, 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 a tour, a world tour, if you will, uh, mm. with the story. Like, I feel like that was definitely there in your Street Fighter alphas and in older games. And I'm glad that something like that is back. Uh, I also think the leaked roster looks fucking incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 Reb, I know you are the biggest fighting game community insider <laughs> expert in the world. I'm just kidding. Are you excited at all about Street Fighter Six? Uh, I will not play it. I'm not a fighting game okay, person. Fair uh, enough. Fr- friends, friends have tried to get me into fighting games, and I just, you know, it's not for me, and that's okay. Sure. I'm glad it's for other people. But I will say, like, yeah, Street Fighter Six looks dope. If I like. If I were ever to be enticed by a <laughs> a mainstream fighting game, I I was watching that like, oh, that's that's pretty. Look, it's at see, these, look at these guys doing their kicks and punches. Heck sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like that team is really taking a lot of the uh, the lessons that they probably should have learned from the, the launch of Street Fighter Five. Uh, a bad roster, small roster, no modes. This one seems to be kind of doing the full opposite of that. That leak roster is huge. Uh, the yeah. game modes like already at launch. Yeah, at launch, like it looks really, really cool. So I was also, I it was weird. I was like, 
I was more confused by that trailer the first time I saw it. And then the more I read about the game and watched the trailer more, I was like, oh, wow, this looks amazing. So I'm with you, Funke. Very excited about that. Two things on it. Two other things I'm excited the commentator mode where yeah. they just have people from the fighting game community commentating in your matches, yep. like just assigned to whatever inputs you hit and like yep. combos you land, which is just so cool. Yeah. I love when games and developers like interact with the community and actually build things with them. I, th- I think that's awesome. Totally. And also this is going to make a lot of pros and uh, hardcore gamers mad, but I don't care. The mode where you can like press one button to do a Hadouken. It's amazing. And just do combos like an entry mode is so great. Like that's the kind of accessibility that will get more people into this game, into this community and into like fighting games in general. So I think that's really cool addition. We are living in a smash brothers world and other, and other folks are finally paying attention. And I think that's okay. I really do. Uh, Reb, how about you? What was, what was your most exciting thing from the state of cat game? Cat game. Yeah, let's go. I love stray. It looks so good. I, so I I do not have a, I I, I do not own a Sony uh, personally. Uh, but Imran does, and he has been trying so okay. hard. Well, to, Reb, he, he wants let, me to let me, play. Let, I know. Let, let me tell you something, Rep. If you live I with know. Imran, you own a PlayStation 5. I know. Let's just say that. It's, I know. It's called, commu- has- it's called community property, and that's what you've got. <laughs> I know, and he... He that's how he feels. And that's all I mean, I agree. I don't I don't disagree with the sentiment, but it's on his side of the couch, you sure, know. Like, sure, he's sure. usually playing Genshin Impact on it. Sure. <laughs> but he's trying so hard to get me to play it. Like he even got me a controller and he's like, Here, aww, this is your controller, aww. you can play it. And I think like <laughs> he wants me to play Astrobot, which he again, he's right. I I agree that he's it's right. I should play Astrobot. Yep. Uh but I think the game that might finally get me to switch sides of the couch with him and play his PS5 might be Stray because look Stray at the looks kitty. Great. Look at how the kitty moves. So good. It, it, it's fantastic. It looks so cool. Like the exploration seems like really, really robust in a, in a way that I, I didn't, I don't think I was expecting from the very first trailers that we saw of this game. Um, I'm, I'm super, super down for this game and it's coming yeah. out uh, pretty soon, like a month very and a half. Soon. So very July soon. 19th. Yeah. I won't say anything much, but uh, check the site next week for some stuff. Okay. Ooh. I can say it looks sick. The trailer is sick. (laughs) Cats are cool. Huge fan. Cats are the best. Um, Yeah. Stray looks amazing. I I really can't wait for that. Um, I, of course, partial to Final Fantasy 16. What big news, John? What was happening new, in that trailer? I can't even. What the hell? I can't what even. I cannot even tell you. But what I can tell you <laughs> is that later this week, your favorite RPG pal, Stephen Strom, Imran Khan, Natalie Flores, and myself will be talking at length about this on Ninety Nine Potions. So please listen to that episode when it drops. I will save my thoughts for that episode. But Final Fantasy Sixteen looks buck wild. I'm very excited about that. Um, my, sing- my singular take on Final Fantasy 16 yes. is that I, I have started vaguely to play Final Fantasy 14 a little bit. And okay. Keeps, and, and that seems pretty fun. I'm having a nice time. Good. So I, I took a break to play other things, but like I'm going to yeah. come back to it. It's pretty fun. And people are telling me that like the Final Fantasy 14 team basically made Final Fantasy yep. 16 kind of. Yep. And so that's, you know, 
That's that seems good. That seems promising. We like we like those two things. Yeah, Yoshida took a fledgling, struggling, honestly catastrophe of a Final Fantasy fourteen at launch, turned it into a Realm Reborn. It's now the biggest MMO in the world, and it's very very good. It has one of the best Final Fantasy stories in the world, and they said. All right, bet like you can have the next big mainline Final Fantasy single player game and it does look pretty cool. So we will definitely be talking about that this week. Uh, Funky Reb, thank you both so much for hanging out. This has been delightful. I could do this for a lot longer than we have, but. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Reb, do you have anything to plug anything to anything to push? Uh, I'm, I write for IGN.com. Uh, you can sometimes read my work there. Uh, I, we're going into summer game mess, so I'm sure I'm, I'm currently all projects are on hold until that's over, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure you will get some stuff from me from that event. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Duck Valentine. What was the last thing you uh, cooked that you, that you really liked? Uh, last thing I cooked to uh, sort of, oh cook like actually cooked not yeah. not not cooking is a metaphor for writing. No, uh-uh. <laughs> I was gonna, no. Re- gonna talk about an article. Uh, no, uh, I actually there was a little barbecue over Memorial Day weekend uh, with some IGN folks, and I want my new coworkers new coworkers. I've been there a year, but we haven't met because sure. panini. Uh, I want them to love me, and so I baked a cake. From oh. uh, the legend, the Legends Cookbook, which is a Legend of Zelda inspired cookbook. Uh, it's it's the fruit cake is is what it is yeah. from Breath of the Wild, uh, and so I made a Genoese sponge. Oh my! With whipped cream frosting and deck, fill, filled it with whipped cream frosting. It's two layers. Uh, did strawberries on the inside, and then on top did strawberries and blueberries. It was very good. Very Let's light, go. fluffy, very summery. Very summary. Yeah. It was a hit. Now they all love me, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. There, there, no reason to love you before. Uh, no, but no. Yeah, but now for sure. Um, that sounds so good. Yeah, that sounds so good. Um, Come over, I'll bake a cake. <laughs> please. Genoese sponge is no joke. That's not it's not the easiest thing in the world. But uh no. yeah, uh, amazing. Uh all right, folks. Thanks so much f- uh, to both of you for joining me. Thank you. Listen, the next few months will be all about brand new game announcements and trailers, but we would be remiss if we didn't remind you that there are big games coming out right now. And there will be probably some surprise announcements along the way, but here's what we know about as of Sunday, June 5th, coming out for the upcoming week. Uh, we have Spellforce 3 Reforced coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, and Xbox One. That's June 7th, so if you like Spellforce 3, this one's reforced. (laughs) Uh, We also have Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, The Sith Lords, coming to Switch on June 8th. The rub here, and it's very exciting, is that uh, with DLC, they will be basically filling in the broken end-of-game content that came with the original. If you recall, the end of the original Obsidian release, Knights of the Old Republic 2, was a bit wonky, a bit disjointed, and a bit incomplete, and now that is going to be completed with some DLC. That's very exciting, and it's a very good game, and you should 
play it. You should also play the original. Uh, on June 9th, we have two. We have a double header of Cycling Madness. We have Pro Cycling Manager 2022 for PC and Tour de France 2022 for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. So both of those are on June 9th. We have Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba, the Hinokami Chronicles coming to Switch on June 10th. Okay, we have the quarry, which I'm hearing cool things about. Ooh, spooky. Uh, coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One and PC on June 10th. And then the one I'm certainly most excited about, we have Mario Strikers Battle League coming to Switch. It is a brand new Mario Strikers game. You have no idea how much of that game I played on uh, Wii. I played so much of Mario Strikers, uh, and I I cannot wait to play more of this when it comes out on June 10th. Very, very excited about that. Uh, in terms of Xbox Game Pass, they have not announced anything new uh, since last week. You know, we've got Assassin's Creed and some stuff coming out in June. Uh, very, very cool. They, they basically said, hey, you should look at our big showcase on June 12th. That's Sunday, June 12th. It's my dad's 70th birthday. Happy birthday, dad. Uh, they're going to probably, what it sounds like, announce some stuff coming to Xbox Game Pass that day and probably throughout June. So, yeah, that'll be a, a big announcement uh, coming in the next you know 10 days or so. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, that's about it. Uh, we obviously we've already seen Stranger Things uh, season four. We've already seen some other stuff come out on streaming. Um, there's not a lot out right now. Obi-Wan Kenobi is still running strong. People have a lot of opinions about that. Uh, I still haven't sat down to watch it yet, but I intend to. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of games coming out. Uh, I grabbed Card Shark and uh, Soldiers this week. Played it on our Friday show, uh, Couch Surf, over on Twitch.tv/fanbite. Those are good games. You should uh, definitely check those out. And uh, yeah, uh, get excited for Mario Strikers. Come find me on. Come find me online. Find me on the pitch. And that is a wrap on this week's episode of TFTK. I want to thank my two guests, Funke Joseph. Thank you so much for hanging out. You can find their wonderful writing over at fanby.com. Uh, like they alluded to, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out over the next few weeks. Uh, you can find them also at FunkeFly on Twitter.com. And of course, Reb Valentine over at IGN. Please read her excellent writing and reporting. Uh, it's all great stuff. She does incredible work over there at the Imagine Games Network. You can also find her at Duck Valentine on Twitter. And yes, she does post pictures periodically of her amazing looking cooking. So definitely, definitely check that out. Oh, and her cats. They have great cats over, over at Shay, Imran, and Reb. So it's a good follow on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me if you want to at Floppy Adult. I'm over there on Twitter talking about God knows what. Uh, if you want to follow my excellent producer, Paul Tamayo, you can do so at Polly Mayo. Uh, he also produces other podcasts for us like you love to see it. And we also have other podcasts that Jordan Mallory produces on the network like Friends Reunion and uh, 99 Potions. You can find all of them in one place at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. If you like my show, TFTK, you might also like my stream. I do every 
every single Tuesday morning. It's called Tuesday Morning the Show. You can find it over at twitch.tv slash fanbite. We also have other things that we do during the week. We're not streaming as much as we used to. We're, we're pretty busy with stuff going up on the website. It's a really busy time for us in June. Speaking of the website, it would really, really, really mean a lot to us if you would go to the website, read our writing, share what you like. Um, we could really use the clicks this month. I'll just be honest about that. It uh, it would be a good month to read a lot of fanbyte.com. Uh, and if you like our podcast, please tell your friends about them. Word of mouth is honestly the best thing that we've noticed makes a difference in our listenership. So tell a friend that you like this show. Tell a friend that you like another show on the network. It goes a long way. Uh, thanks again so much for listening. And until next week, you're welcome. Welcome.